This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Chase Down Podcast presents A City of Champions, a seven-part series chronicling the Cavs' 2016 NBA championship. With help from fans who cheered against us, reporters who covered it, and the players who watched it, we'll take you game by game through the most improbable 3-1 comeback in championship history. Be sure to subscribe to the Chase Down Podcast to relive the greatest series we've seen in our lifetimes. One dribble steps back, puts up a three, won't go, rebound, tip taken by Spades, final seconds, it's over, it's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cavaliers are NBA champions! The series begins Thursday, April 9th. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book. And send it to the line. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. Fox scores five in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Falls Podcast. My name is Brandon Nunez. Got Rich Abnowski on here as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I have not eaten Lucky Charms since we spoke, so no cereal updates, unfortunately. Uh, but I had a pretty good Easter, all things considered. How about yourself? Yeah, doing well. Uh, same old stuff, really. Yeah, spending time with uh, the family that is in-house with me here. So, yeah, I don't know. Same old stuff, really. Um, but today on the pod, we got our next edition of these positional pre-hiatus report cards and we got the shooting guards today and it's going to be one of the more interesting ones I think definitely um I think that we had we had a good conversation about um like Marvin Bagley brings up some interesting questions um we had I think Rashawn Holmes is kind of a fun one to go over where his value is but with these guys um it does feel like the most interesting position to talk about yeah, because there seems to be this Buddy versus Bogdanovich sort of situation. I mean, obviously, they are playing the same position and seemingly competing for that starting spot in a way. Um, they do seem to be close friends personally themselves, but uh, maybe there's a situation where Sacramento is only able to pay one of these guys long-term. And Bogdanovich specifically, healed already got his money. Bogdanovich is going to be interesting to hear our value since he's going into this restricted free agency. Yeah, and I wonder, did you have someone in mind to start with of the oh, two? I was going to let you do this because okay. I think I did it last time and it was out of your order. Um, I mean, only slightly. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah, but no, I'll, I'll let you start because, yeah, Heald and Bogey, they're close here, so. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even really think about it too hard. I think you're talking about the Justin James, Kent Bazemore one, which could really go either way, and I think that. This could go either way as well. Um, but for some reason in my head, I naturally thought of Buddy Guild first. Yeah, so did I. Actually, that's the first one I have on my paper here. Which is interesting because he is, as of, like, as currently as we can get, he's the sixth man. And But he's also the leading scorer of the team. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely true. Um yeah, let's let's go ahead and start with Buddy. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, Fox is barely ahead of him in averages right now, actually, but close enough. He's certainly above Bogdanovich. Um, but yeah, let's start with him. There's not, I guess, there's not there's not too much to talk about, Buddy, that you don't already know. He's a super elite shooter. Um, we know that that's going to be even in a bit of a down year. He's still putting up really impressive numbers. He's going to be impressive uh, 
shooting the ball, I think, for the rest of his career. I don't see that as being an issue. And it's also a skill that you don't really age out of until much, much later. He's still right around 40%, 39.5 this year from three, 42.7 last year. Going back one more season, 43.1. Um, elite shooter, but outside of that, what do you think is his <laughs> second best skill? Well, being available and healthy, I think. Um, Buddy does not miss many games. I believe last year was all 82. This year he has not missed a game, and he's well-conditioned as well. I mean, I I don't think I can recall any conditioning issues with Heald, and that was part of the reason I thought that the transition game worked so well with Fox is because Heald just has an unbelievable motor that I think really complements that three-point shooting. So, Again, it comes back to that, but I think healthy and in shape would probably be the number two for Heald. And that number one, like, having – it's such an elite level um, because he, he upped the the volume this year, and I think that made the percentage go down a little bit as well. And he shot a bit more out of the pick and roll, which as much as that frustrated a lot of us, I think he's still able to score out of a pick and roll, but that's about it. Um, and you're going to get some turnovers there, but I think – yeah, that, that three-point shooting should not be undersold. And then my second would be just healthy, available, and in shape. Yeah, um, we'll keep this to healed, but I do think that the availability and the health is going to be an advantage um, it, for, for Buddy in the healed versus Bogdanovich conversation. Um, outside of the shooting, outside of the – and I, I don't know, would you even call it athleticism or is it more mm-hmm. – conditioning like you said yeah it's more conditioning I think yeah because he's not like a super explosive he doesn't get to the rim which was one of my big things I had down and I think that's a little bit of a lack of kind of that athleticism you're talking about a little bit of a slower first step yeah I think that's I think that's fair Um, I think I feel like he'd be really good at soccer because I think he could run for 90 minutes and Right. And not show any signs of slowing down right he's the soccer guy that shows up at your pickup game you're like I do not want to guard him yeah, that would be a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to guard anyone. Right. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I'll come on in the in the 85th minute. I guess. Yeah. You're the, you're the injury replacement? Yeah, give it my best shot. There we go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, he also has really obvious flaws. Um, I think that we can get into passing. The passing did improve a little bit. Um, ball handling is where I get really – get really worried about him at times. Uh, I feel like he he really was really was a, a borderline non-competent ball handler as a rookie and in his second year. And he's gotten a little bit better at that as well, but you just see the handle. He just loses the handle pretty frequently. I don't think – I think that's kind of what makes him an inefficient driver at times and his ability to get to the rim – is limited by his handling. Um, like, I don't want to see him go through traffic pretty much in any scenario. Um, and then the defense, obviously, we got to get into as well. Right, yeah. I uh, I definitely feel you on the handle there, and I think that does lead to the turnovers. And his feel does not um, seem amazing on both ends, really just understanding the rotations and stuff. I think he can be a little bit behind sometimes um, on that. And, yeah, obviously you mentioned the defense. I mean, it's it's extremely hard to look over when, to me, he was one of the worst defensive players on the Kings this year, and there's some real competition there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just absolutely falling asleep. And, I, I mean, I would say he's engaged most of the time. Um, it, it's just a lack of understanding. I mean, your buddy is not going to be a good defender, and – there's times Walton was not playing him at the end of games because he felt like he wouldn't be able to keep up on defense. We also pointed out that we felt like he was given unfair assignments on the defensive end, so maybe he's drawing an unfair hand a little bit this year. Um, but Buddy, in general, is going to probably be a liability on the defensive end. Yeah, you, I think, have been a little bit more into um, cleaning the glass, so you probably have some good on-off stats, I've been sticking more towards synergy, and I was wondering where you would guess that his overall defensive numbers shook out. 
in terms of points per play on uh, possessions that he defended. Defended. Um, man, it's going to be fairly high. Like, are we talking like a one point? How about just like a percentile from? Okay, the, yeah, the I mean probably thirtieth percentile at most, twentieth percentile. Yeah, I mean you're pretty close there. Um, he ended up at the thirty third percentile overall. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, like, do you feel like when he's locked in that he can, that he can hold his own on defense? No. Right, because he doesn't. Yeah, I don't know what locked in really is for healed. Right. I thought it would have been lower, um, mm-hmm. like more towards twentieth percentile as well. Um, yeah, I. It's not just the possessions that he that he's defending the shot from, though. And that's kind of, like, where I grow more concerned is when he doesn't make the right rotation or he overcommits and Mm -hmm. then it's just the ball ends up being kicked around or it's, you know, it's not even on his side of the floor, but the ball is is moved around to his man and he, like you mentioned, he's a little bit asleep. He's not quite there. Um, You know, just is not going to be able to close out as effectively. I feel like it's more the breakdowns, which may not even end up being on him in terms of his synergy profile. Right. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Um, and there's no positives to really even point to. I mean, usually there's maybe a spot here or there, and I guess you could say that he'll try to steal some uh, defensive rebounds and turn those into little tri- tricky plays, but even at, at times that leaves him out of position. Um, yeah, I don't know where there's even a positive to point to in Buddy's defensive game, which obviously, I mean, makes it hard for you to stay on the floor even if you are scoring this this amount and this volume that Heald is. Yeah, I wonder, um, if you don't have plus or minus numbers up for him, I'll, I can pull them up on NBA. Um, but I am curious, uh, especially compared to Bogdanovich, because – that's what we're going to kind of be making. I mean, that's what the team is going to be probably yeah. having to make some decisions on eventually. I have, uh, I do have the on-off cleaning the glass in front of me. Um, opponent shooting is just .6 effective field goal percentage higher with healed on the floor. Um, so really not all that much of a difference. All the percentages are a bit higher from all over the floor, but it's all really marginal for the most part here. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, if we do – touch on Bogey a little bit here because this is comparatively, I mean, I, I don't think Bogey's that much of a better defender. I do think he's better, but I don't think it's this crazy jump. I think he's I think he's better. Um, I think he's significantly better. For reference on the synergy uh, overall defense, Bogey is at 47th percentile. Um, so, and that feels about right. I think he also ends up with tougher assignments more often, kind of gets pigeonholed into the three. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I guess the difference yeah. between being passable and really can't stay on the floor is a bigger jump than I'm giving it credit for. And it's kind of an eye test thing, so I don't know how much we can put – I don't know how much to value to put into that, but right. I can't remember the last time that I was furious at Bogdanovich for – making kind of like a boneheaded play on defense. Or I don't, if he's making these mistakes, I'm not noticing them as much. They're not as egregious where it feels pretty regular where I'm like, who left this guy this wide open? Right, and and inexcusable. Yeah. It's Buddy. Right, yeah, definitely. Buddy's going to do those ones where there's just, again, inexcusable ones, and you're not going to see that too often from Bogey. I, I think he's – obviously far from perfect with his defensive positioning and stuff, but he can hold his own. And like you said, I mean, I think there is a bit of versatility here since Bogdanovich has two inches on healed that he can slide down to that three, um, and it's not preferred, but he can give you some minutes there, and I think there's value in that as well. Buddy, I mean, you don't want him guarding the one, you don't want him guarding the two, you don't want him guarding the three. What are you supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I... I don't know, um, and I wish – I don't know if cleaning the glass has 
filters on date, but I wish I could filter this easily to see how it was when Buddy was starting. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I mean, he obviously played very, very well since moving to the bench, and part of my understanding of why that improvement came was because he was less often guarding an elite opposing player. Right. Yeah, I, I would definitely um, assume that is the case. Cleaning glass does have a filter, but I do not believe it applies to their on-offs. Sadly, it just goes to the general profile here. I'll do a little bit of digging, and we can maybe get back to that. All right. Um, but, yeah, so Buddy Heald was just given a contract extension by the Kings, a four-year upward of $80 million guaranteed, and... I mean, next year you're talking about when that kicks in at $26.4 million on the books for Buddy. Um, so if we're considering a, a player option for him, I, I mean, I, I I think that you still want Buddy Heald on your team for $26 million. I mean, you can't – to me, Buddy is, the guy, is one of the few guys that's probably him, Fox, and Bagley when he's healthy that's capable for, you know, dropping a 40-point game. Um, I don't know. It's tough because it's tough because I feel like we're gonna inflate everything if we really think about it. As far as like the Kings in this situation, I mean, it's it's so easy to say yeah. keep everybody because they don't really have free agent. Uh, there's not really a great free agent class. First of all, there's not much space. Secondly, and thirdly, there's not much of a draw to Sacramento right. in the free agent market. So it's kind of easy to be like, let's just overpay for everybody. But if we put Harrison Barnes at 25 last episode, I would not go over 20 for Buddy on the same scale. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, hmm. I, I get that logic at the same time. I mean, Buddy is your – second scorer here, but I guess he could be. I definitely have been fine with the idea, playing with it in my head, of him being replaced with Bogey. And we've talked there's not really a capable Barnes replacement that's easy to acquire like that for Sacramento. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I mean, you can't put him higher than than Barnes, really. Hmm. I almost want to put him the same number as Barnes, though. Because I had him a little higher here, but I was not taking into account the the Barnes previous one like I should have. So let's let's do let's try to just use the Barnes uh analog here and just say if you had to remove one player from the team going into next season, would it be Barnes or Buddy? Buddy. Yeah, it's Buddy, because Bogey just steps into his place, and Barnes, what are you doing after that? <laughs> yeah, that's true, and that's probably a little bit unfair, too, just because it becomes a positional scarcity thing. Which which player, if you put on – if you were to put either player on the average team or – like how many teams out of out of 29 outside of Sacramento does, does Barnes improve more than Heald? Or does Heald improve more than Barnes? Because then I feel like you might have an argument for Buddy just on the the shooting alone, how many teams could use just a knockdown shooter. Right, and and I think there is a lot of value in that. I mean, the spacing, the Sacramento starting Bielitsa for a while because they need spacing. Imagine if Buddy's shooting wasn't out there. And But, I mean, on the flip side, too, like how many teams out there could use a 6'8 forward, like a good, versatile forward defender? Right. I, I just I I just think that Buddy is a floor raiser, and I think that's valuable for where Sacramento's at. I agree that he's a floor raiser. Could you explain that concept a little more um, for anyone that may not versus a, a ceiling raiser? Yeah, pretty, guys that are going to take you out of the bottom feeders, but they're not going to be winning you playoff games necessarily. And then in in, in comparatively, a guy that is not going to raise your floor where if he's one of the main cogs, he's not going to be able to absolutely run the team. But if he is a piece among others, he can be the reason, a floor raiser could be the reason that you are able to reach those new heights. I'm sorry, a ceiling raiser 
is a, a reason you're able to reach those new heights. Um, but, yeah, the floor raiser, I think Buddy can take you to a certain point as your number one or two guy, and we're kind of seeing it. I think it's about that eight seed. But I think that's pretty important for Sacramento right now um, because probably because Bagley's not ready to be the other one alongside Fox. Yeah, I Yeah, I I think that last year when we did this episode, I thought that Buddy Heald could be a number two or number three option on a relatively good team, on like a, mm-hmm. you know, a lower end playoff team. And I don't know that I think that anymore. I think that he, he's a great fourth or fifth guy. Is he like a Lou Will, like a super six man? Yeah, I think that um that's a good example. I mean, I, I think that he – yeah, I mean, if Rashawn Holmes is like the herald of this team, maybe maybe Buddy is more like the Lou Will, yeah. Yeah, which is hilarious because we had that comp previously with Bogdanovich as the Lou Will at the beginning of the year. That's true. Um, but, yeah, so, okay. Um, how do you feel about going even with Barnes at that $25 million? I don't really feel good about it, but – it's tough because, okay, I, I get, I'm just going to keep throwing hypotheticals out there, and if they're stupid, ignore them. We can move on. But what's more likely that healed last year is closer to, like, who he really is or that healed this year? Because we know he was put in two very drastically situ- different situations, and he it, it resulted in two pretty different outcomes. I mean, I think it's a little lower than last year, but I think it's probably closer to that. Like, the beginning of this year was just a rough transition for him, but in January he shot 41% from three. February he shot 46% from three. Um, So I would probably credit the rough start to kind of a changing situation, and the team in general uh, was struggling to get used to Walton's scheme. So I would say it's closer to last year, um, but ultimately, I mean, it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle, I guess, is it makes sense. And I guess that kind of puts them equal to Barnes. Um, I will say I just looked up the – didn't get the on-offs, but I got the net rating for Heald uh, before and after being moved to the bench, and he was a negative 4.2 mm-hmm. net rating before – going to the bench, and then after going to the bench, he's been a positive 4.5. Wow, that's a big jump. It's a big jump. Yeah, and, and yeah, we definitely know that was working. So I was talking with a Dane Moore, Minnesota guy, earlier today, and he was asking, and we were doing restricted free agency, so, you know, Bogdanovich, Beasley, and all that. Um, but then the conversation switched to Heald here, and he asked me if I thought that Heald's contract was going to be viewed as a negative value. It um, absolutely will be. It will, right? It will be, but only, I think, because of COVID. And I don't want to get into, like, the whole – I don't want to get too far in the grass about the COVID-19 stuff. But, I mean, I think that's going to have really serious, drastic effects on the salary cap. Yeah. And if if, it, if the salary cap were projected as it was projected before all of this, I think it would be a pretty fair deal. And I think we kind of – that's where we're at. It's, like it's, a, it's a good deal, fair deal. Like, we can all walk away from that deal happy. Yeah. Um, and now I think it's going to be pretty rough. Right. And and with this, I mean, do we factor in the the idea that if Buddy doesn't start, that he could potentially be requesting a trade out of here? Because, I mean, that in itself lowers his value as well. I don't even know how to deal with that right now right. either. Because I, you can, how are you going to request a trade – if there's no basketball happening. So, I mean, it, it seems so far away to even think about. I just don't yeah. know. I just don't know. And I think that problem might even be solved a little bit because Bogdanovich, we're going to have to move on to him in a second, but I think that he probably ends up signing at a pretty low dollar amount. Right. He definitely is. He definitely so, is. And then that issue may not be as serious to, to bring Bogey off the bench or to – Hmm. tell Buddy, hey, listen, you're going to come off the bench, but you're making twice as much as the starter. Can you just deal with that? Right.
With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, it's no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Okay, so I can go. I can go a little below Barnes, but meet me here. Let's go. Like, I, I actually, if we're doing round numbers, we can go with twenty. We can go with twenty for Barnes. I mean, for a buddy. I'm fine with twenty or twenty-five. I, I think as long as we, if as long as we accept that we're doing these dollar amounts based on our the previous projections for the cap and thinking that it would continue to rise, right. then I think 25 would be fine. Right. Okay. And then I think that the uh, the way that we could talk about Bogey, what do you feel like the main differences between these two players are? Obviously there's the shooting, and then what do you feel that Bogey offers? Uh, we'll go offensively that Buddy doesn't. So as far as like facilitation and passing and handling the ball, as far as being an initiator, I am – so much more comfortable with Bogdanovich initiating my offense. For sure. And I think that's the main thing here. Uh, You're not comfortable in the slightest with Buddy doing it, but Bogey, I mean, give him point guard responsibilities a little bit sometimes. I I don't think that's his preferred role offensively, but his playmaking is good enough that he can handle that sort of situation. Um, And then the versatility to his game comes from – at the same time as Buddy, he doesn't really get to the rim. Um, and, again, there's not really that athleticism, but he has this European craftiness to him where, you know, the mid-range is still a big part of Bogey's game, and he hits that efficiently. And that keeps defenses honest where, you know, he's not just going to be a three-point shooter. He will take a couple steps in and knock down that shot as well. Um, so I think there's more versatility to Bogdanovich's offense, but it is headlined by that playmaking and passing for sure. Yeah, and I'll say that going through his synergy profile, he kind of does it all at a very similar level. Yeah. Um, his four most common play types are spot-up, pick-and-roll ball handler, transition, and hand off handoffs. Um, and he's between 62nd and 67th percentile in all of those. So he is good at all of those, right? Um, and then there's a little bit of variation, but not much. I mean – 43rd percentile off screens, 78th percentile isolation, 78th percentile in cuts. But that's really, I mean, that's pretty close together. Um, it's a tight scatter plot for Bogey. He does a lot of things well, um, pretty much everything well. And especially, I'll mention the shooting. I, it's a, it's a hot take, and obviously, I don't think he's on the same level as Heald. But I am very comfortable with Bogdanovich uh, shooting the ball. Yeah, as am I. Uh, especially, you know, I, I think catch and shoot and off the dribble both. He excels at there, and it's underrated the ability to be able to do the both of those. It's his shooting is really underrated compared to 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 Buddy. Do you happen to have his stats? If you don't have them up, don't look at them real quick. Okay. Shooting stats. Um. So, Buddy, just for reference here, um, attempted 9.7 threes per game, and he hit 39.5. Off of memory, you've probably seen it relatively recently, but off of memory, how how do you think Bogdan uh, shot this year? Uh, I think he has maybe four and a half attempts on 38%. So... Uh, he 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 shot 36.1 percent, okay. which is significantly lower. And like we know, he's not as good of a shooter. But I was impressed by how many attempts he was putting up per game. 7.2. Oh wow, that's a lot of attempts. I did not game. realize. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I did not realize that his profile had 
yeah, that it was so um, effective on or relying on this three-point shot. And a lot of it's above the break, like from my memory, a lot of it's self-creation. A lot of it is self-creation. And I think a lot of that comes from some of the injury patches where Fox was out and he kind of had to yeah. to run a lot of the show. But he did really well. Like that, Like those are some of his best stretches of his career. Right, and I think he fits seamlessly in most places as well, most lineups that Sacramento is able to roll out there. I don't think that he was doing great since he had been moved to the starting lineup, and maybe he was capable of more individually, but him being out there and just a cog in that offense, I think helps the ball move in general very well, especially talking compared to Heald. Um, There's just a different ball movement when Bogdanovich is out there and his basketball IQ is shining in his cuts. Like we see his synergy that he's got going with uh, Harry Giles because they're both just very smart players there. And, yeah, the, the intelligence of Bogdanovich really shows on the offensive end as well with all of this craftiness and capabilities that he's got there. And like you said, I, I don't think there's any really elite skills necessarily, but he's solid all the way around on the offensive end. And to be a – 6'4 creator that can initiate an offense. I mean, this is a very valuable skill set that Bogdanovich has here. It's a very valuable skill set, and he is uh, he, he can be utilized in a lot of ways. He's kind of, he's been referred to as like the Swiss Army knife for the Kings. He can come off the bench and kind of be put into any situation. Um, he can lead the team. Just pulled up the stretch of 16 games, 15 games, when Fox was out, um, really impressive numbers from Bogdanovich. 30 minutes a night he played, um, shot 45% from the field, 40% from three on seven attempts per game. Uh, 16.4 points, 4.3 assists. You know, really nice steal numbers as well this year. Um, you know, he's not a stellar defender, but he had a couple little runs where he was – I remember he was leading all uh, six men, six men of the year candidates in steals for quite some time. He had a pair of four steal games um, during that stretch as well. Yeah, the defense is, is definitely an improvement over Buddy. I, I guess my question between the two of them would be, in, in regards to their offense, is do you feel like Bogey could be a number two option – on a team pushing the eight seed, you know, on, on this Sacramento offense? I don't. Uh, I don't, but to be fair, I think I just said the same thing about Buddy. Okay. I mean, Buddy's kind of been doing it, though, no? Um, I don't think it's been going very well. I mean, yeah. have they made the playoffs? This is fair, yeah. Yeah. That's my concern is that I, at the end of the last season, I thought that, that's where we were headed with Field, and I feel like I was wrong. Whereas to me, he's kind of come down to that Bogdanovich level where I'm comfortable with him as a starter uh, or the first man off the bench, but I don't feel like he can be a one-two or even a number three option. Yeah, and I mean the skill set is different, obviously, in what you're getting here, but I, I think I'm more confident and, and just feel like there's more value in what Buddy is giving you offensively because, again, I, I think that when Buddy catches fire comparatively to Bogey that you're just getting an absolutely different animal in Buddy. Um, and, yeah, obviously they both are going to be able to go cold for stretches here as well. I think we've seen both of them do that. Buddy at the beginning of this year, Bogey's had consistency uh, questions at times throughout his career. But I, offensively, I, I do still lean Buddy here probably primarily because of his ability to just absolutely take over a game. And it, I think he has games and halves where he's able to be a superstar offensively. Offensively, I definitely lean Buddy. Um, but then defensively, you lean Bogey probably. For sure, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really any argument there. I know you asked me, I think, beginning of the year. And the more I watch it, yeah, it's 100%. Uh, bogey over Buddy there. Like we said, I, I think that Bogey's just a passable defender, and that's a 
decent improvement over Heald that you're not even really able to put out there. And, yeah, I, I mean, these guys do feel repetitive in a way because, I, I mean, it's hard to get good defensive lineups where the both of them are out there, really. Um, and also it's guys that need the ball in their hands. So I, I see where the argument comes of potentially needing to choose between the two here. Do you think that argument originates in their their personal feelings? Like, do you think if these players were totally content with their roles, whatever roles you chose to give them, yeah. would you have any issue with, with playing them? Not necessarily in the same lineup, yeah. but, you know, say you gave them both 28 minutes a night. and Right. No, there probably wouldn't be any issues. No, it's mainly because there have been stories that started up and things. And, I mean, obviously, if the team was winning, I think this would be fine, you know? Um, But, yeah, no, I I think you're right that this totally could work. You look at OKC running three guys that are, what, six foot five at the highest. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that this definitely could work where you kind of stagger them throughout the game and then in the closing lineups, you, you definitely are able to play both of them out there, scoop Barnes to the four. So you're right. There there definitely is a scenario where this works. I guess it's just starting to feel like that maybe does not end up being the case. Yeah. And then if push comes to shove, let's put contracts aside for a minute. Who would you rather have? This was so hard for me because there's an argument both ways. Um uh, like, this is so close. Close enough that, uh, yeah, we'll get to the money in a second. Um, I, I have to go bogey, though. Like, you've seen it work better with the starting lineup, right? If we're talking about in regards to what ha- Sacramento has going on for them. And it, it, it's funny because last year we I felt like I was saying this for Heald where he felt like the, the Clay Thompson, the, the perfect pit, fit alongside Fox because of this transition play and being able to keep up with him and all that. And now it feels like Bogey is fairly easily the better fit here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have to go Bogey here. It's so tough because I I like Bogdanovich more as, like, a person than a player. Not that Buddy isn't a great person because he is, but I just am more – I have more of an affinity for Bogey. So – like, as far as the fan in me, I just would – it'd be so hard for me to say goodbye to Bogey um, to see him leave Sacramento. And I think that, thankfully, he won't. Um, I think that the Kings will match whatever comes in, and I think that number will be pretty low considering, you know, everything that's going on in the world. Um, but the way I see it is – I've only been covering the Kings for a couple of years um, as a blogger and whatever. So, like, two years ago, I saw them as, like, totally even, like, different, very different skill sets, very different styles of play. But as far as their on-court value, it was, like, a total wash. And then after that year, the breakout year for the Kings – I felt that Buddy had really moved ahead um, and taken a significant leap forward. Yeah. And, you know, where he was ahead of, of, of Buddy, uh, ahead of Bogey, by like, you know, I'd rather have, I'd pay like Buddy $5 million more, so something like that. And then I feel like this year he's moved back down to where it's kind of a wash again in my mind. But I think that I'd have to say, kind of going back to the conversation about, which which version of Buddy is the real Buddy? Mm-hmm. Banking on the concept that he could it could be somewhere in the middle, where say I have Bogdan as a twenty million dollar year player, which is super high now. I think that's too high probably, but say that's how I felt before, and then I had Buddy. He moved up to like a twenty five million dollar year player, and then that, I think he's moving back down. But I want to find that middle ground, and I would go like twenty two point five to Buddy, twenty. To bogey. 
Really? Okay. Um, yeah, and you know, I will say part of my reasoning for bogey here is that I'm considering what Walton's system is, and I think that makes it a little less likely that you're getting the last year buddy because a lot of that, to me, was success from a just ridiculous amount of transition that was going on. That's a totally good point. Um, Which I don't know if you want to decide who you're keeping based on this coach that you don't. Like that, right. You know, but... It, it, I take that for what it's worth. I think Bogey is better than Buddy in Walton's offense. I think that's a totally fair point. I think that Buddy is a better player in a vacuum. Um, yeah. But we're not in the vacuum. We're in Sacramento with right. Luke Walton. So, so you put Buddy a little yeah. higher money-wise, yeah? Just a touch. Just okay. like, I, like I, I could would, not justify putting either one higher than the other. I had to do the exact same number. I couldn't get either way. I'm trying to find some way to differentiate them, but it, going into this, I thought $20 million a apiece, and, like, that's a fair deal. But yeah. I could also see myself, if we're trying to find some differentiators, I could do – I could put Barnes down at 25, which feels high now as well, but I could do Barnes 25, Buddy 22.5, Bogey 20 million. I don't know. I, I'm, I, this is a struggle yeah. for me. Yeah. I could I could definitely get there. I mean, the Buddy thing, uh, like I said, I think that he probably hmm, – does he help you win more games throughout the year? He helps you lose more and win more. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's perfectly worded. That's definitely what you're getting with Buddy here. Um, but the health is a big one. Like, Buddy is – Buddy huge, plays huge so much. That's a huge point. We don't talk about that enough. I made the argument that Bogdan should take that four-year twenty, sorry, four-year fifty-two million dollar deal, mm-hmm. um, and I made that argument based on his health and I, uh, Bogdan's health. But it's not great. I mean, right? He's missed, yeah. I mean, he's missed good chunks of of seasons. Uh, he's had two surgeries on his knee. Um, he had some significant injuries in the Euroleague. It's not as consistent, um, and Buddy just doesn't miss games at all. It's, I, you know, I think that he was right not to take that deal, um, but I think he, he'd be smart to take it now considering everything that's going on with uh, the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's right around there. I think you could get up to, you know, 460. I think uh, definitely could make sense for Bogey with everything going on here. Um yeah, and I can I can put Buddy a little bit above him here. I, I think that, like we said, even though he will lose you more games than Bogey will, I, I think that Sacramento, the situation that they're in, really could use a guy that's going to win you uh, some games as well. And Buddy has those capabilities. I don't quite see that from Bogey. Bogey, I mean, he'll, he will make some clutch shots. I'm not going to take that away from him, and he'll have a quarter or – so that he's able to really impact a game, a eight-minute stretch, something like that. Buddy can do it for an entire game, and only a couple times throughout the year, but you'll get halves here and there where he's just absolutely takeover. Um, and obviously defense is a factor there, but the health that we mentioned, I, I think that even though it's not ideal in Walton's offense, Buddy was getting a little bit more used to it. And if everyone's healthy, if Bagley's healthy as well, I do think the pace comes back a little bit well. That helps Buddy. I can put Buddy a little bit higher than Bogey here. Whatever you want to do. I, I don't even want to decide this. I think it's, yeah, whatever. It's close enough. Whatever you're comfortable doing, I'm comfortable with. It's uh, it's a real tough debate. I think what's gonna, it's going to come down to what their actual real-life value contracts are, and I think that and it's going to come down to where they're you know, where they personally stand on their roles within the team. So right. I could easily see a situation where we end up with Bogdanovich and not Buddy Heald, but I don't think that's going to be because, you know, Bogdanovich is a significantly better player. Right. So so Dane Moore floated around this idea to me regarding Buddy when I said I do think he'll be a negative asset. I mean, does that mean that Sacramento, like if you're considering trades this offseason – how do you look at something if you're talking negative value? You're you're not necessarily needing these draft picks back. Or how do you feel of a James Johnson is expiring and 
I know. I, I didn't know I about know this James Johnson thing. I didn't know about this James Johnson thing. We talked pretend about like that that's any name. Pretend like that's any name in okay. salary filler. Um, and a Jared Culver. And a young, upcoming guy. A young, upcoming guy who had, like, a really – Yeah, like, terrible, like, 50% here. from the free throw line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's no good at all. And I saw your poll, like – no one right. is on board for this. Yeah, which doesn't surprise me. But if Buddy asks out, if Buddy requests the trade, I mean, are you still pretty upset with that return? I mean, I'm not furious with it personally, but Culver had just such a such an yeah. awful year that I mean, what could you even trade Culver for? Like, say it's it's all it's all sliding doors because. What could you trade Culver for? Like, what draft pick could you trade Culver for? I mean, this is an even a weaker draft. Would he go in the top six if he were right draft again? Maybe. I mean, he certainly seemed like he should have. Like, he probably would have gone number one if he were in this class. But then he came out and had a terrible year. I don't know that you could even get, like, the 12th pick for him. I don't know. If you're the Kings, would you rather have Culver or, or the 12th pick? Right. And it's probably the 12th pick. I don't know much uh, I, I don't know enough about Culver, but more so it was, you know, if if the situation came up with Buddy this offseason, I mean, the value of his contract potentially being a negative asset, like we're saying, if if he were to request out, I, I think you're not looking, and we've dove into this before, you're not getting much in return. You're not getting much, but you're not going to get what Buddy is worth either. I don't think that – so – Especially if the cap comes into play and right. gets lower, you aren't going to get any space out of that deal. So you're just getting a worse player. And, like, yeah, he's younger, but is that what Sacramento fans want, to get younger and not better, to, like, get get significantly worse but younger? <laughs> That's more, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that really solves anything. Right. Yeah. So – um, yeah, just uh, just throwing that idea out there with his value. I think it's going to be interesting on this next contract. But um, we want to touch on the two G League, uh, the the two way guys in this one as well, right? Yeah. Do you want to give a quick grade uh, A through oh. F for these guys? Oh shoot! Yeah. Um, I keep forgetting to do these beforehand. We're all over the place, man. Yeah. Okay. So, hmm, if C. I think what we've been doing is C is what you would expect from them, right? Yes. I think you got to go a D for Buddy. Man, that feels so harsh, though. Right, but it's based on how we're doing it. They're like, C is you came in, you did exactly what we expected. He probably yeah. had, yeah, I mean, like, if I'm talking about grades in general, it's probably like a C year, but based on how we're doing it, it's, it's a D. I would like, we're not doing minuses and pluses. I, we haven't been. We haven't been. Yeah. I would have given Buddy like a C minus and yeah. Bogey like a C plus, mm-hmm. uh, probably. But I could also be talked into a D and a B for for Bogey. A D and but, a B. Okay. Yeah. You think Bogey overperformed? I think that he did. I I mean, not by much. That's why I want to go C plus. Yeah. But I also think that not many players really overperformed, with the exception of Holmes. I mean, I guess Fox yeah. came on stronger Bielitsa. once he returned, and and then Bielitsa, but that is, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you there that it should be C minus C plus, but we can for the sake of this, since we haven't been giving plus and minuses, I can go there with you D and B D for Buddy B for Bogey. Or we can just give them both C's. I'm totally fine with that too. That or, sounds better because okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I I like that one. I'm fine with that, too. We'll go with both C's for these guys. Um, and then for Kyle Guy, um, again, a, a guy that, you know, not getting any NBA minutes. We're talking about two guys that are pretty much spending all of their time in Stockton here. And the question between them kind of comes to more of what do you value, right? A 3 and D guy versus a pure shooter. Yeah, in a weird way, this is like the G League. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. It is. Yeah, um, so I will say that first off, Kyle Guy kind of kind of turned it up a notch near the end of their season. Um, <clears throat> he was shooting – I mean, obviously he took a million shots. I mean, he averaged 17.5 attempts a game. 
mm-hmm. uh, and 10 of those from three. And for a while, it was not looking good. I mean, he was like 35-ish percent from the field and not, you know, around there for three as well. He, and he picked it up towards the end. I mean, he ended up on the year shooting 9.6 threes a game in the G League for a 40% conversion rate, which is very nice. I mean, yeah. that's solid. However, what do you think he what do you think his listed weight is? Oh god. Um I I just was looking and saw he's six one. I didn't get a Which weight. is um, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's generous, right? Yeah. Uh what are we one seventy? Yeah, one sixty seven. Yeah. Um which it's gonna get bullied. It's not gonna work. And I mean it doesn't work. He I don't think that he I mean, his defense is – it's just – he's not going to work as a defender against NBA players. I right. I don't see how that's even really possible. And the offense is pretty much I, – I, I shouldn't say all shooting, actually, because there is some playmaking there as well that's in the works. Not a lot, yeah. No, yeah, there's a high turnover with it as well. So, like, it, it's in the works, I guess, he's initiating. But his field goal percentage is – Practically the same as his three point percentage. Like Kyle Guy, yeah. you're talking all you're talking about is his three point shot, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then Daquan Jeffries is more of this three and D where you got more size to him. He's also got a decent three point percentage. I mean seven attempts and thirty six point nine attempts, thirty three point nine percent from three, and then you get forty six percent from the field, a little bit of a more uh well rounded game because there is some impact on the defensive end. Um how do you – I don't – I just – I'm just going to come out and say I just lean guy because I, I think that if you're talking about the end of the bench guy, it, that was not intentional, um, that it's more valuable to have someone that can come in and just shoot complete lights out, and that is just a valuable skill set to have sitting there when do you – I don't know if I trust a – defensive-focused guy that's coming from the G League. Like, you have to – It's I think it's a lot harder to have your impact on the defensive end and then just try to not be a liability on offense than the other way around. That's interesting. I um, lean very strongly Jeffries. Okay. And it, um, yeah. And it, it's just kind of like you said. I mean, guys just going to get killed no matter, right? So as big as – the differences between their shooting, like as you mentioned, guy's a much better shooter, and he might have that one. I mean, it's not even an elite skill. Like he's he's not. It's not that elite. Uh, it's very good, um, but like a guy like Gabe Vincent, right? He yeah. shot even a bigger volume, even made even more of those shots. It's not like he's like Miami's using him as some ace in the hole shooter. It's going to go down with NBA competition. He, like I said, mid-season was shooting around 35%. It wasn't really falling. Um, there is a chance that he becomes the kind of guy who you can, I don't know, bring in when you're down seven with 45 seconds left in a game and just hope that he can, like, hit some, some like, you know, 30-foot heaves. But that's not – I don't see that as useful where – I mean – it is useful if that that's how it plays out, but how, as big as yeah. the differences between their shooting, Jeffries can shoot like he can like seven attempts per game. For a while, he was he was up there. He was comparable to guy for a portion of the season as far as percentage. The difference between their shooting is not as big as the difference between their size. Like DeQuan Jeffries is a grown man. Um, he's six five, two twenty five. Like, he's got the body of, of, I mean, not even a linebacker, but he's bigger than linebackers. Uh, I mean, I, when watching him play, like, I get him confused with power forwards a lot. He looks like a four mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and that's, to be fair, that's in a smaller league. Like, generally, the G League player is a little bit smaller. Um, and he played the four, the four in most of his time at Tulsa as a college player, and he's being, like, moved out to the wing that when I spoke with Anthony McClish, the GM of Stockton, he said that they're, you know, they're working on 
turning him from an interior guy to a perimeter guy. And if that development, if it works, then it works. Like, if it works, then he's a functional NBA player. Um, you know, not a star or anything, but if it works, then you do get a guy who can come off the end of the bench and eat up a couple minutes or whatever. But if Kyle Guy works, I don't know if the Farrell works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, NBA, the G League site, has Daquan Jeffries listed at 6'5". I, I mean, that's still – is that really your, you know, switchable wing that's super valuable in this league? Uh, I mean, no, neither of these guys are going to be super valuable. Like, let's get that well, yeah, yeah. clear. Right. I, I mean, I, I – I think that at 6'5", 225, he's got a chance to play, you know, to be a rotation-level wing player. Uh, right. like, I, I think it, at least he's got a shot at it. Um, and I believe, let me double-check this. Yeah, I mean, his wingspan is 6'11 and a quarter. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's he does have... Seven foot, I see listed here, so wingspan. So 42-inch vertical, like, he's – I mean, he's got the athletic profile where that – if it clicks, then he works. And I think – I mean, he's a lot bigger than Bazemore. Um, so a guy like that size, you can think like a stronger, kind of bulkier Bazemore. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I do agree with you that if if it clicks, it would be much more valuable to have – Jeffries than Guy, uh, because this build in general is more valuable than than what Guy's is. I, I think that Guy right now has a more translatable skill, uh, and there's just less cleaning that, cleaning up that may need to do. And Guy still has plenty, but I think that Guy could get thrown out there for eight minutes a night and contribute somewhat with just having that. I I do think it's close to elite three point shot. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I do you think that he can ever be like how elite is elite? Like, I mean, this is still a third string point guard. I, I'm thinking, you know, you're throwing a, a what is Shabazz Napier, but that's like Shabazz is a little too crafty. Um. But, you know, I mean, you're talking a third-string point guard that's just coming in there and, and chucking up shots against the opposing team's backup one. Yeah, no, I don't see it. I mean, it's literally just a chucker that's, like, I think his ceiling is actually a lot lower than Jeffrey's because yeah, I think at his very best, he's going to be just a spot-up-in-the-corner kind of guy, and that's yeah. a very, very low ceiling. Um, like. Even the guys that we think of as just shooters, like I don't know, like a, like a Corver or whatever, he's still like six foot seven. Like right. you still kind Kevin of Robinson's need that big too. Yeah. Who I, like I guess JJ Redick is pretty small. Yeah. But he's, yeah. yeah. Right. There's that. Like I, I, JJ Berea, I don't think he's that quite shooter. Um, I well, guy doesn't have like the handles of any of these points right. that we're talking about. Right. Um. Yeah, for sure there. And, and I totally agree with you. I think the ceiling is higher for Jeffries. I guess my argument was that I think the floor is higher for um, for Guy. And, and yeah, I that's don't know what the likelihood of these guys reaching their ceilings is, you know. I think that's fair that the floor is higher for Guy. He, yeah, he has one skill already that works for him. Yeah. But, but, but some I of the defense for Jeffries, like you see flashes of it and you're like, okay, this can work. If they can get him those perimeter skills, develop that for him, it could work. And he was – Jeffries was a pretty good shooter in college, 39%. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 39, 39, 37 of his three years. And I don't know. I, I'm not high on either guy. I don't know. We're probably wasting a lot of time. But I will say, like, I yeah. – yeah, I don't know. A guy that's like 167 and was drafted 55th overall, I just – it's so hard for me to see it working. Yeah, totally understandable. And if we're talking money for these guys, I mean, are you really pushing anything more than a minimum contract to keep both of these guys rather than, you know, another one of these second rounders? 
I would not give either of them guaranteed money. Yeah, fair enough. I'm uh, I'm the same here. I haven't seen enough from either one. So I think that's all we got. Um, we decided on 22 for Buddy, 20 for Bogey, uh, C's for both of them here, and no guaranteed money to either of the two ways guys. Just haven't quite seen enough. Uh, but I think that's I think that's all we got here, man. That's about it. Um, if you if you want to do Buddy and Bogey at the same level, I'm also fine with that. If you, do you want to? Would you rather do 20 and 20 or or have that difference? You talk me into the difference. I'm good with it. Okay. So we can keep that. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you will hear from us again in the next couple of days.